Hey, everybody. Hope you all are doing all right out there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Interviews with Chris. This is your host, Chris Tryon. Well, we're on episode number seven, and it involves two of my favorite things, music and food. Ironically, though, I don't know a whole lot about two things that fall in those categories, which are specifically DJing and veganism. But somebody that does and also happens to be a very close friend of mine is A. Claire Slattery. She goes by Claire, and she is a very well-known DJ in the Phoenix area, and she is the creator and force behind Hell Yes, It's Vegan, a vibrant and fun vegan recipe site for everybody. And I really mean everybody, because I cooked a dish on her site, the Philly cheesesteak pasta, and let me tell you, it was great. I like cooking, but I'm definitely no pro, so please let me assure you that you could definitely make the same dish I did. We talk about so much, but I don't want to make you too hungry just yet. Strap yourselves in. Here's my conversation with Claire. Enjoy. Hey, Claire, how's it going? Hi, uh, going okay. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. From what you just told me right now, you're kicking some butt at Mario Kart, right? I'm trying. Pink Yoshi is my character, and I'm doing okay. Awesome. Growing up, Yoshi was my favorite, too. Also Donkey Kong, because Donkey Kong Country is one of my favorite games. Is that the one? Oh, wait, what's the one where you, what's the Donkey Kong 64 one? Have you played that one? Oh, I love that one. Actually, um, one of my what's best What's that friends, game called? Oh, this is going to kill me. Isn't it just Donkey Kong 64? My friend had the green translucent N64. That was really specific too. It's going to kill me. I, I think it's, I think it's just Donkey Kong 64, maybe. Yeah, I always like to like throw the like bombs and apples or whatever. <laughs> I might be like blending Pokemon Snap into that too. I think there were apples in that game, but you just throw things at the characters. It was really hard to win. You just like spend most of your time collecting stuff from my memory. Well, I'm going to have to find a way of playing it to relive some of my childhood. But where do I begin here? First off, thanks so much for taking the time to do this interview. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've got nothing going on. I'm just stuck at home, like most people in Arizona. Yep. Hold up here and great time to talk. And we'll, you know, definitely get into a variety of topics, but there's plenty to talk about. But how about we start with something I know a little bit more about than making tasty vegan meals? I mean, we're definitely going to be getting into that. But what I was referring to is music. For you specifically, it's DJing which to be honest, I don't know too much about. How exactly did you get into DJing? That's a great question. I had collected records for quite a while and always thought it would be 
you know, kind of fun to do DJing. I feel like I have the personality for it. I love to be like the orchestrator behind the scenes. And that's kind of what a DJ does, but with like a nice, cool personality or whatever. And I was planning a Halloween party with some people in my neighborhood and we booked Cornish Pasty as like the quote unquote venue for our neighborhood Halloween party. And we decided that we wanted to have DJs. And so we were asking like a handful of people who, you know, had experienced and this was kind of right before everybody decided to become a DJ. And so I decided since I had records and I had a friend who owned some gear that I would ask him if I could borrow his gear. And I played that Halloween show and the rest is kind of history. Um, I did vinyl DJing for a very, very long time and I still do. um, But I now kind of go back and forth between digital and vinyl, depending on the night that I'm asked to DJ and the creative freedom that I have in between that and also whatever records that I happen to have on hand. What costume did you have on when you did that Halloween show? Oh man, I dressed up as Tonetta. Are you familiar with Tonetta? Negative. Oh nope. man, it's like a <laughs> he's like a YouTube like a YouTube personality. There's this video called I think it's called Yummy Yummy Pizza. I can't believe that like you asked me what my costume was. This is it's ridiculous. I wore like this nude bodysuit and I like taped these triangles over like my boobs and did this whole like strange <laughs> costume and wore a wig and he had like a Santa skirt, like a Mrs. Claus like sexy Santa skirt. And yeah, you should Google Tonetta. I think that's the video of the costume that I wore, but I couldn't really function out of it. Like the tape kept falling off. So I think I just like put on a sweatshirt at some point and gave up on the the Halloween costume for that night. Well, I'll have to check out that particular YouTube personality, but you used to be in bands, right? Like Treasure Mammal. I know playing live is on a break due to COVID-19, but do you see yourself playing in any sort of band again? Uh, not really. I loved like the band thing, like being with people and, you know, Treasure Room was a really fun experience. I also played bass in Soft Holder for a while. It was great, but I feel like I'm a very busy person and bands take a lot of time of like practicing and coordination and lots of like booking ahead of time. And I mean, when things are usually normal, I DJ probably four to seven times a month. And that takes up a lot of free time that I have. And I also have a handful of extracurricular activities outside of DJing plus my nine to five jobs. So I mean, while it would be fun, I just don't know if I have the capacity to take up being in a band with other people just because of the time commitment. Makes sense. And have you thought of doing a live stream of your DJing currently with what's going on in the world of COVID-19? Yeah. um, So for the first couple of months, I really didn't want to do DJing live because I have an income that's completely separate from DJing. I have a career. And so 
I really wanted that platform to kind of be available for more of the DJs who do that for a living. I wouldn't want to like capitalize off of that space or take away time from one of them that, you know, could really use the exposure to get some extra funds during this time. So I did decide, you know, that I didn't really want to do some live streams, but now that we're kind of four or five months into things and maybe we're only three months. I don't know. I've lost track of time. Um, It's all big blur. Seriously. And things have just kind of started to calm down. We're kind of back to normal in a way that like we're settling in with the, you know, systemic racism that we have to fix. And also just with the understanding that, you know, Hey, Arizona with the, with the COVID's not getting really much better. So now we're stuck at home even longer. And now I feel like it's been way too long since I've played a set. And so now I'm thinking that I want to do that. So I kind of put out like a feeler last weekend to see if anybody would be interested in listening to it or watching me or like what would be the best avenue for that. And it kind of came up inconclusive in terms of like how to do it specifically without getting quote unquote zucked um, or kicked out. (laughs) Um, But I think this weekend I do have some time, so I might put some more research into it. I have a set that I've been working on off and on throughout the past couple months, but it's been really interesting during this time. And I'm not sure, you know, if many people can relate to me, but I'm definitely an empath and my environmental piece plays a big role in me being able to be creative and explore. And with that comes this like strange thing that's been happening to me lately where I haven't been able to like listen to very many like new artists or explore more music or do like music in any sort of creative capacity. I've really just been like listening to the new public practice record over and over and over again. And that's basically it. Well, I'll have to check that out. Definitely. And, you know, in a world with, being able to see live music and DJ events with all the, you know, experience that you have, what would your ideal DJ gig be like? Do you like the bigger events? Do you like smaller, intimate ones? What do you, you know, typically prefer? I mean, I'm sure I've seen you in a a wide variety of spaces, but what do you like? Oh man, they're all totally different. They all have something to offer. I love the Valley Bar sized linger longer lounge sized events. I think those are perfect because I love it. Intimate. You know, you have like enough people to like carry a dance floor so people could go grab a drink if they want and then come back or whatever. It doesn't have to be like, you know, so small like a Palo Verde lounge for example where like there's 50 people there and if most of them are drinking then It's just as hard to kind of curate that space because it never seems to be fluid throughout the night. But if you have those, you know, places that are a little bit bigger that have kind of like a built-in support, those are really, really great. But then there's like the Van Buren where I got the opportunity to play a handful of pop nights um, a couple years ago. And last year I did a Taylor Swift night there. And just like, the kids that would 
treat you like you're so cool and so <laughs> awesome. And it's just like, it's so funny because all I'm doing is playing somebody else's music. Like, let's not get DJing construed here. Like, there are amazing DJs in the Valley who, you know, are wonderful at curating and they have, you know, such great talent and skills. And I have some of that, like, I'm not going to lie. Like I kind of am okay at what I do, but like I, in the end, in the end of the day, like I'm just playing somebody else's music. Like that's all I'm doing. Well, on that topic, I mean, what are your favorite jams to get the crowd going in a good mood and start partying maybe some of your personal favorites because i know it all kind of depends on the mood and the crowd yeah yeah a lot of it depends on the mood of the crowd i always try to default towards no wave funk punk music whenever i get the opportunity my favorite like jam usually comes from a group called quando quango they have a handful of tracks that I like to play. They're uh, like an 80s funk punk band, but they're not super well known. But they have a handful of just like really, really, really great tracks. And I don't know, for whatever reason, like they're just my favorite. Um, my favorite to play whenever I get the opportunity to just play something that I feel is like unique to me and my DJ talents and skills. That's awesome. I'll have to check them out. I remember you once played Go by Tones on Tail, and you had me in a complete daze, and in a good way. I don't really dance, but I, yeah, that got me going. I, I love it. Uh, that's a good track, yeah. Have you ever played something that has completely killed the crowd's vibe? Always. I mean, like, sometimes <laughs> you have to. Even though, like, Linger Longer, we started out, we did, like, a Talking Heads night there. And I think I was there for that one. Yeah. I forgot exactly when it was, but I remember you playing Talking Heads for sure. That's right. It might have been Mickey's birthday. I think that was like a whole yeah, night that was yeah. like wrapped into mm-hmm. a lot of events. But um, when my DJ friend, Hector, he DJs under the name Zamren, when we started, you know, setting up and playing songs, you know, people kept coming up to us and being like, why are you playing this? And I'm like, it's talking heads night. Like all we're going to play is David Byrne. So if you don't like this, you should just leave. (laughs) Um, And yeah, like took like a, probably like a good 30, 45 minutes before like people really started to get into the, the groove of dancing and just figure it out. But it ended up being the best night that Linger had had to date since they had changed owners in terms of like business and attendance and just like people hanging out and stuff. So, you know, it really does work out even though if people don't, you know, like it, but yeah, I've been known to clear a dance floor too. It's fine. That's awesome. I'm going to switch it up a little bit here and it's going to be on the topic of health and nutrition. You obviously are, a part of many things, but you run a vegan recipe website called Hell Yes, It's Vegan. And I actually made the Philly cheesesteak pasta last night. It was delicious. I actually oh, had some leftovers. Yeah, I actually had some leftovers for lunch today. And I I love that creamy cheese sauce and the seitan combo. I think my next cooking endeavors are going to be the vegan stout chili and the vegan goat cheese balls. 
Nice. I know That's that so exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know that even saying vegan goat cheese balls kind of sounds uh, weird, um, but what's so goat about it? Yeah, so there's a TV show called Vanderpump Rules, and the owner, so the the TV show is, I, I love trashy TV too, fun fact about me. <laughs> um, so the show is based off of a bunch of these servers that work at a restaurant called Sir that's owned by Lisa Vanderpump. And they have a appetizer there called goat cheese balls. And it's basically just they take goat cheese and they fry them <laughs> um, and then they serve them. And so it's like, well, what can I do? That's kind of like fun that's and awesome. celebratory of that show. I can make like a vegan version. And so I had found this goat cheese recipe from another blogger that I really, really enjoyed. It's a little different. You know, they put a bunch of like thyme and pistachio and make it super, super lemony. And they kind of form it into this crazy log. And I linked to that recipe in the post too, just because I did borrow some of their ideas. But the basis of the recipe, I believe, is it's cashews and blanched almonds And so what you can do is when you soak the cashews for like an hour or so, they absorb all this water and then you can blend them a little bit easier to make like a cheesy, like a nut cheese thing. And so when you add like a little bit of nutritional yeast and some apple cider vinegar, it becomes kind of like goat cheese like, and then you can freeze them and make these like crazy goat cheese balls into them. And it's kind of a process, but if you're like a Vanderpump Rules fan and you like love the idea of a goat cheese ball or whatever and want to like be in on the joke or the fun, then that's definitely a recipe I would recommend. No, that's awesome. I really loved the recipe for that Philly cheesesteak pasta was super accessible for people like me. I mean, I don't want to say I'm a complete idiot in the kitchen. You know, I could definitely cook some things, but I usually kind of just wing it. You know, but it's really fun to actually have a recipe and, you know, go buy it. And I liked it a lot. So my stomach was extremely satisfied. But um, as far as when did you become a vegan? I've been vegan for over 11 years. Was there any sort of reason or catalyst to you becoming a vegan? Yeah. Um, so I was vegetarian before that. I I think I had been vegetarian for about a year and a half. A lot of my like influences at the time were vegetarian. Um, but yeah, I uh, basically, long story short, I listened to a lot of Rise Against and they were very hardcore about, you know, animal suffering. And so I thought I should also be hardcore about ending animal suffering. And I went vegetarian during that time. And then I believe it was like 19, I went vegan for Lent because, you know, the Catholics make you give up things. And so I like had been wanting to try it, but also I'm the type of person who doesn't want to like publicly be like, I'm going vegan and not have the willpower to hold it up. So my whole thing was like, I'm going to try it. So I went vegan for Lent so that if I hated it, then at least I only had to do it for 40 days, but it ended up being pretty easy. And that's like 
in a time where like it was before like diet cheese or beyond burgers or whatever, like Gardein, like none of that existed. It was like veganaise and tofu sour cream. And that was it. And yeah, it was, it was cool. I was living in Chicago at the time and there were, you know, a handful of resources and the transition was pretty easy and I got used to it and I stuck with it. That's awesome. And I've got to ask, at what point did you, you know, decide you wanted to have hell yes, it's vegan. You're a vegan oh, recipe man. site. So in the same vein, you know, I really had been wanting to do something with cooking for a long time. You know, I'd follow these other bloggers, I would buy these other cookbooks. I really, really started to cook at home a lot more a couple of years ago just because I noticed how much money I was saving. You know, it's crazy when you go out to eat and have to take half the things off of the food that you're eating and still get charged the same price. And then you're like, well, this is sad, you know? Um, and yeah. so this <laughs> is like, well, fuck it. I'll just like cook at home. Um, <laughs> and then after looking at like all these different blogs, I realized like all of these recipes are either like 50 calories and it's lettuce or there are like 7,000 calories and it's all fat. And so I was getting super frustrated by not being able to find what I would consider to be, you know, balanced meals in terms of just, you know, your carbs, your fat and your protein. And so I wanted to, you know, start experimenting with trying to figure out how to, you know, make those meals for myself. And then I've, felt like I found more of like a, a void in the food blogging space. And so that's when I decided to, you know, give food blogging a shot. And I gotta be honest with you, like same kind of concept. I, you know, when I went vegan, I really didn't tell very many people because again, I didn't know if it was something that I wanted to stick to. And I hate like these big identity building things when like it could just be like a passing phase. Um, (laughs) You know, it's not like, Oh, I'm emo mom. This is who I truly am. Like that was a phase (laughs) for everyone. And we all know it. And we all love my chemical romance, but I, I started a blog um, and I didn't tell anyone about it. And I had it for probably a year and a half before I posted like my first public thing. That's like, hey, I've been working on this project for about a year and a half. I have learned a lot in the process. I've posted 50 recipes. So I think I'm sticking to it now. (laughs) And here it is. But yeah, it just like took a really long time to for me to just be like, okay, yeah, like I'm sticking to this one. Like this is a a project and a hobby that like I really want. I really want to do and kind of like seek out. Well, you actually touched you know, on your response right now on something I was going to go into is kind of debunking the myth that being vegan is expensive. Is there any validity to that? Or do you just kind of have to stay away from expensive products you just don't need? Yeah, I mean, like, there's like so many, and I hate to like say this, but like, veganism is intersectional. I can't believe I'm saying that. But it's true you know, like most of the poorest countries in the world are vegetarian and vegan because, you know, those specific things, you know, grains and beans and 
legumes and things like that are extremely inexpensive to grow and they're super filling. And so when you know you go to a place and you're like, okay, the salad is $18, you're just like, God, I fucking hate this. You know, like veganism is accessible and I eat salads all the time. Like you can get like you can make a plate of beans and rice for much cheaper than you can make a salad. But at the same time, you know, like you're I'm not like seeking out these, you know, mock meat products all the time. Like they're fun to have. Um, don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, if you're going to be a beyond meat vegetarian vegan, you know, you're going to be spending, you know, 10, 15 dollars a meal, even if you are making it at home. One of the like really cool places that I've seen pop up in the valley over the past couple of years is this like salad drive through called Salad and Go. I don't know if you've heard of it or have been there. Yeah, my fiance, Jazz, which you know, she brought me one and I ate it up. It was very good, but I personally haven't walked into any of their establishments. I just know that they put the salad in there, you shake it up in a box, and it's pretty inexpensive from what I understand. Yeah, that's like their whole movement is to like bring really giant salads to the public for like $5.50. And they're like really, really great big salads. And you can build them like on their little app on their website. So like, you know, not all of the options that they have are great for vegans. But if you have like a website nearby, and you can, you know, do your build your own. Um, It usually ends up being like, five, six bucks. And it's like one of the best options that we have right now in the Valley. That's that I feel is affordable for vegans. And they also do really, really nice things for the community. Um, They were giving out like free meals to healthcare workers, to, you know, teachers during this time and a handful of other, you know, community members who are considered to be on the front line of fighting COVID in the community. So that's great. It's really cool to see that they have, you know, just that mission to, you know, kind of just like say that, hey, healthy food doesn't have to be expensive, it can be accessible. No, I love that you mentioned that. And I love vegan food. I've definitely been to plenty of vegan restaurants. I eat meat as well. But I mean, it could be expensive just, you know, whether you're a vegan or or you're not. It's just, I think, kind of like seeking out the resources that you want to, you know, be able to consume food-wise. But um, one question I also have here is just, you know, on the topic of cooking things, what are your favorite vegan things to cook? I know that you have a bunch of recipes, but what's maybe like your go-to? Oh, man. Okay, so this has been like, it's been really cool because you know, we've been cooking 100% at home instead of probably 50 to 75% at home. You must have Um, a lot of recipes now. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I'm like, I'm tired of cooking. (laughs) Just because it's like, I never actually get a break from it. But um, yeah, we have like a handful of staples that we go through. We love doing veggie sandwiches. Um, we're a big like veggie sandwich family, I guess. So just like all the freshest veggies you can find with veganaise and toasted bread. And that's it. It's just like so fresh, so refreshing, and it's filling. We do a lot of, you know, roasted potatoes, roasted vegetables. We have an air fryer, so we usually end up throwing, <laughs> you know, Brussels sprouts and broccoli and green beans and stuff in the air fryer because it takes like five seconds to cook. 
we do a lot of that. We love doing like tofu scramble on the weekends. We'll put it in a low carb tortilla, call it a taco. And chickpea salad is another big one. I don't have a recipe for that on my site, but it'll come at some point. Um, You basically just take the ingredients that you would use to make tuna salad, um, but instead of tuna, you use chickpeas. And it surprisingly tastes almost like tuna salad, which is weird. I don't really know how that works, but I think it's the pickles. I don't know. Well, I'm already starting to get hungry here with all this talk about food, and the listeners might already be drooling on their keyboards and steering wheels when they tune into this episode. But I'm going to break it up here. I've got a batch of random questions. Some I've created. (laughs) Some I've created based on knowing you as a friend. Some are DJing or cooking questions. Some are completely bonkers. And some of them were requested by your friends and fans whose identities I've kept as confidential. So you could still call them your friends. (laughs) Just kidding. But um, I'll be doing some shout outs for them too. But uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. What's the weirdest song request you've had so far? Oh, someone someone held their phone up to me while it was uh, I was de- guesting at um, Movement Hector's 80s New Wave Night at what is it Valley Bar? Yeah, and you know how you can like create a story with like Instagram and like type out words. He asked me to play All Star by Smash Mouth. And he was like, very, very serious about it. Which like, honestly, like I have DJed that song before at a 90s night, um, specifically when someone asks me for it. I don't usually do that one on my own. That's a that's a request only at TRL. But um, yeah, he was like, very, very serious about it. And I think at some point, he, you know, got kind of aggressive and we had to end up getting him removed from the establishment because he just absolutely needed to hear Smash Mouth. One other crazy thing that happened to me was while I was DJing at the Van Buren, some guy kept yelling at me while I was like on the stage and there's a barrier in front of the stage. And so I'm like, what, what does he want? And so I go up to him and he's like, Hey, can you play a song? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And he's like, it's on my phone. It's my song. And I'm like, you want me to play your song (laughs) (laughs) right now? (laughs) So that was pretty rough. I had to be like, no, get out of here, scram. So those are my two, like, two stories about that. Okay. And this is kind of my personal trifecta because they're my mom's favorite artists. Rod Stewart, Sting, and Phil Collins. Whose albums would you destroy? Whose albums would you DJ for life? And whose albums would you have stuck in your head whenever you're doing something important? Oh, man. I would destroy Sting. I would DJ Phil Collins. And I would keep Rod Stewart at, with with me by my side at all times. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, for myself, I would probably go the same as well. Maybe Rod Stewart, I would DJ and maybe Phil Collins would be stuck in my head. I feel it could go either way. But I like that answer. But yeah, tonight I'm yours or... Atlantic Crossing by Rod Stewart, Face Value, No Jacket Required, Phil Collins. And yeah, Sting, 10 Summoner's Tales, not bad. All big staples in my life, but I like that answer. But um, DJ name, you go by DJ A. Claire Slattery. But would you rather be DJ Fizz or DJ Bubbles? Fizz, DJ Fizz, for sure. 
Or a DJ Bubs. <laughs> Bubs is okay, but then that's <laughs> that's Kyle's <laughs> boss's dog's name, so maybe not. <laughs> and we're gonna get into the reason why I said fizz a little bit later with soda water and fizzy water because I know you have a, you know, I don't want to say obsession, but you definitely have a bit of a passion or you know, I have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what about me? What would my DJ name be? I'm kind of afraid to know what it would be, but hey, you're in the DJ realm. What would be? Yeah, man, yours would be like DJ Weird Wig or something. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just like a like a strange attribute of somebody else. <laughs> okay, well, maybe one night when I DJ, if that ever comes to be in this lifetime, I'll uh, I'll give it a go. Have you ever thought about DJing? I feel like you would be good at it. Yeah, you know what? Maybe one day. I think I'm just so kind of, um, I don't want to say sucked into, but just playing in a band, you know, live. I think it kind of goes into the conversation that we had where you kind of have to devote yourself to, maybe if I was like a guest DJ, that'd be totally cool. But I think, um, especially now or in the future, I need to maybe just educate myself a little bit more but no it it really never has come across because i think i appreciate so many other djs and friends like yourself where i'm like oh this is killer but maybe it might be fun to do one day yeah well maybe someday i'll like do something that would be great for you to be a guest on i feel like the music that you know i usually dj with maintenance would be like such a great it would be such a good like time for you to do it but we only ask um women to do that night so you're fucked (laughs) well maybe some other sort of event there but quick question did you watch the youtube video i sent you last night for preparation i did yeah wonderful okay and for the people listening in it was a video of mongolian throat music so would you rather dj mongolian throat music or chewing asmr for life Oh man, I would definitely DJ Peruvian throat music. It wasn't <laughs> that bad. I think like it had a groove to it, you know. It just kind of made me laugh at some points, just kind of like the directions where it's really soothing, then it's just like super percussive after, you know. I don't know. It gets switched up. Yeah, it, I mean, like yeah. when you started to like really try to like sing in a 311 <laughs> throat tone, um, I was like, I feel like I get why this was sent to me to, I don't know, there was something about it that I was like, yeah, I get it. This is fine. I mean, ASMR is fine too. I just, I don't know. I could actually see myself closing out with that guy at some point just (laughs) to do it. Awesome. On the topic of music still here, orange juice, the beverage or orange juice, the band. Orange juice, the band all day. Love OJ, the band. They're so fucking good. If you're not into orange juice, I don't think we can be friends. (laughs) I listened to him last night when driving to get a donut. So oh, beautiful. Great, great band. Um, here's kind of a bit of a just sort of off random one, and we're definitely get to your fan questions, but Sonic Youth, Sonic the Hedgehog, or Sonic the Fast Food? Oh man. I'm gonna go with 
I think I'm going to go with Sonic the fast food. I have a lot of memories of <laughs> eating Oreo Sonic blasts as a teenager <laughs> with like my best friend from high school. That was like what we would do when we could drive and be away from our parents is that we would go to Sonic and just eat Oreo Sonic blasts. I don't even think they have like, they never jumped on the, or they haven't yet jumped on the like alternative meat product thing yet, but I mean, like their fries are pretty good. I like that they always throw a tater tot in there. You know, when you get the fries or like they throw an onion ring when you get the tater tots. They're always like really good at like making sure you get at least like one of something else, which I do appreciate. I have not been there in years. Probably, probably since before I've been vegan. I haven't even been there, but I have great memories of Sonic for sure. I'm glad I asked it because that was a wild card answer. I would not have expected that. Um, last one I've got here that I've generated myself. We've got a movie group called U2BB where we screen movies that used to be better, or at least we thought so back in the day. I mean, I picked mystery men and basketball, which still hold up to this day, but which movie are you itching the show? I like love the movie crossroads with Britney Spears. Um, I love like the chick flick ones cause I didn't really ever see them when they came out. I saw them like as a teen and when they were like 90s movies. And I just absolutely love that movie. It's just like Spice World. It's the, like the Britney Spears version of Spice World. There's like somebody's having a baby in it. They're traveling across the country and they're probably <laughs> running away from their problems. And it's like, it's just so good. I love that movie. I also have considered doing the in-sync documentary which is great um, a very very good good memory of mine and also maybe like a really bad movie of when I was a kid it was like a it was an animated movie called once upon a forest and I don't think many people have seen it but, I've um, never even heard of that yeah it's so this like it's the semi truck. It's it's animated and it's for kids. And it's a semi truck. Um, it's this whole like lesson about environmentalism. And the semi truck filled with gas turns over and leaks out, and it like kills the entire forest. And so these like cute little hedgehogs have to go find help, and they like cross this like construction zone called the Land of the Yellow Dragons, which like you know the construction equipment looks like scary. And you know so, this movie well. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't know why I'm telling you the whole synopsis, but it's it's a great movie and I've thought about sharing it just because like I don't know if it used to be better, but I like loved <laughs> it as a kid and it was also terrifying. Well, now into the random fan questions. Our mutual friend Sarah out of San Diego asks, "What's your favorite spreadsheet you've ever made?" Oh man, great question, Sarah. So Sarah introduced me to a product called Airtable and it's like spreadsheets on crack. You can do so many cool things with it, but I found this really great template where I can keep track of my um, recipes where I've been able to actually use it as like a time management tool. And so every recipe has about eight steps that I have to follow before it's complete. And so each recipe probably takes like on the low end four hours to make. Um, and then meaning from like the time where I develop it and shoot it and edit the photos and make versions for socials and compressed versions to upload to the site. 
make the it's a content. process yeah it's like it's insane and so that specific spreadsheet that like kind of keeps me on track of like where I'm at with each recipe is my favorite in terms of like functionality but I did make this like salad spreadsheet based on people's suggestions with like a database with calories that like autofill and that was what I feel was like the first rendition of my recipe blog where it was like a database where you can find out all these different like salad combinations and make your way with them and have fun with it. So yeah, I guess like anything that has to do with food is probably my favorite spreadsheet. I am intrigued. I'm going to have to check out this air table. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. I'll check that out. An anonymous fan asks, why are you so brutal and devastating in the game of Monopoly? That's a great question, too. I am competitive, I think. And I try not to be because it like, I don't think I get very fun when I get competitive. So I usually like take a chill pill, just like sit back, you know, cross my arms and just like try to have fun. Like I said, I don't even know if I won Mario Kart earlier. That's great. That means I'm doing a really good job of not being competitive (laughs) and just like hanging out. But the tables have turned with Monopoly. I just become a beast. I I don't care. I'll start like wagering off things in real life. Like, you know, I, you know, will do your laundry. I will buy you coffee if you give me this property. Like, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And even if I don't win, I still like really, really have fun with it. I just think it's like the best game. Yeah, I haven't played that game in quite some time, but I have an extremely vivid memory of a Christmas with my brother and sister and my dad. This was a long time ago. This must have been like 2003, 2004. And I remember we were playing, same thing. I was, I would say I'm still competitive now, but I'd like to say, or at least like to think that I'm way less because when I was younger, I would do the same thing. And I remember my sister just, she just yelled, I'm sick of this. I'm done. Not playing games with you anymore and just walked off. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that Monopoly question kind of really took me back. <laughs> yeah. Off the top of your head, though, can you actually guess who that may have been that asked that? Um... Maybe somebody you just totally destroyed and gave them Monopoly nightmares. I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I feel like it could be like Tyranny. It could be like Mickey. It could be anyone. It could have been like Sarah Avery, which would have been hilarious. I haven't talked to her in a while. And I don't know if she would listen to this, but maybe her. I don't know. It was TK from phoenix oh tk oh my god i killed tk at monopoly for (laughs) years um yeah we would play there's this i'm actually oh my gosh i hope that he is now listening to this because it's really funny we used to play on this platform called pogo you can play like online monopoly and we would play for an entire summer we would just i would just kick his ass every single time and it was so fun but I got banned from that platform probably for being too competitive. I'm not even kidding you. Like, I can't play online Monopoly anymore. Wow. How about let's get away from the Monopoly. Allison Bills asks, what's your favorite wine? Well, I've been really into boxed wine lately because it's cheap. But cashmere has been kind of like the one that I've been defaulting to. It's vegan and it's great. 
it's like a good just like solid solid like body thing but it's not like too strong I don't know I'm not like I just kind of like drink wine nonchalantly and don't really have opinions on flavor and body and stuff and that's about (laughs) all I've got (laughs) okay Mike McHale out of here in Phoenix asks what are your top three concert slash show memories well Mike is in one of them for sure me, Mike, his wife, Kelsey, and then my friend Brandy, we all went to see David Byrne um, do his tour at Mesa Arts Center a couple years ago. That was hands down like one of the coolest things I've ever done. We were in the second row and we were the youngest people there, basically. And it was fantastic. We were the only people dancing for most of the time. Like People would just keep sitting down and we'd be like, fuck it. We danced the whole time. It's fantastic. So I'm still kicking myself for not going. Oh man, it was so good. Like tickets were really expensive, but it was kind of one of those things where like everybody was wireless. It was like a whole theatrical crazy show. And I don't know. It was so impressive just to see like how they did the percussion too. Like they took a drum kit and put it into like, I don't know, like five different people. And they were like walking around with each piece of the drum kit playing their part and it still sounded just like perfect you know as if someone had like all the flows together and was just playing a single drum kit it was awesome so that was one and then I saw LCD sound system finally after they got back together um I hadn't I didn't get to see them when they broke up before they broke up which was kind of sad but Kyle bought me tickets my boyfriend for my birthday to go to one of their shows for the American Dream, I think that's the name of the record, release in LA at the Palladium. And that was really fun. And Mike was also at that show with his wife. And so we all like hung out at that one too. And then, I don't know, there's so many like small shows that have just been so special over the years. I can't specifically like name one, but like, I don't know. I saw one of my favorite bands, like the death set with two people at trunk space. Like there's, you know, shows like that just have happened so many times where like you almost take them for granted and you think like, Oh, it's the big ones that are like the best. And cause they're just like so big and full of life and there's whatever, but you and I both know that like oh, some yeah. of the best shows ever have just been like in a tiny room with like when you're the only one there. Yeah. You're the only one there or maybe like, I've played a show and I'm just watching the other band and I'm just completely blown away. And those are some of the moments that I cherish the most because sometimes you go later down, you know, I don't say later down in life, but years later, a band blows up. I remember, you know, back in my hometown of El Paso, Texas, I booked Joyce Manor in a house. This house was called the Naylair and I don't remember. I think there was maybe a couple dozen you know, kids or, you know, and it was super fun, super intimate. And I just had a complete blast, you know, even hanging out with everyone in that band. And you see a band like that just explode. And those are the types of moments where you realize like, okay, well, maybe they might play a house show again, or obviously play smaller intimate shows, but like the type of like smaller house show areas uh, where there may not be too many people or, you know, smaller venues. It's, it's a really special thing. Yeah. And they're like now doing those shows on purpose. Like the guy from Clap Your Hands Say Yeah plays those like living room shows. And they're like really expensive, but they're kind of fun. I think, I can't remember what other artists do them, but I've seen him do one. The vibes. Um, he actually play- 
yeah it was fun but at the same time it's like very fabricated it's not like you know going to a show at like a you know like a real house show well this will be my last one here that a fan has submitted farsh from texas asks something i struggle with in that the only thing that keeps me from going full vegan is the lack of quality cheese or cheese alternatives what are some of the better alternatives to cheese in the vegan world for people who really love cheese the same question applies to butter because i use butter a lot in my cooking because it's just so flavorful and it fries things up really nicely yeah those are good questions so i'll knock the butter one out first I think Miyoko's makes like a really good like cultured butter, like a European-esque butter. I think they sell it at Trader Joe's, also Whole Foods. It's a little bit more on the pricey side. So I would say get it for like something where you're really going to taste the flavor of butter. But if you're just using it more as like an oil type situation or like in a pastry, I would just go for the Earth Balance Buttery Sticks. It definitely like takes the job of doing butter when you're making like frosting and scones and whatever. So those are two options. But yeah, if you're going to go for like the flavor of butter, go for the Miyoko's. Cheese is like kind of complicated. So it depends on what you're making. If you're making like a pasta situation, like an Alfredo or a mac and cheese, you should probably go more towards making like your own cashew cheese with nutritional yeast so that's going to be like soak your cashews blend them toss them on the noodles and you've got your like creamy texture if you're going to go for like a nacho cheese you kind of do the same thing with the nutritional yeast but you use peas potatoes and carrots that's going to be like the best consistency that you're looking for it's not going to like drip and goo ooze and goos or whatever but you'll get like a really good same satisfaction out of that cheese um it is a little bit lighter so you can kind of pile it on which is nice if you're going for like a sandwich cheese like a cold like slice of cheese i think follow your heart and chow make really good vegan cheese slices as well as the diet cheddar block i think that one's okay I think actually you ate the diet cheddar block at my house once and you didn't believe that it was not vegan. You just thought it tasted straight up like cheddar cheese. I'm sure I loved it. I mean, yesterday I had some of that follow your heart cheese slices and I honestly thought they were very good. And the person asking this question is actually an ex-roommate of mine and we made many a quesadilla together. So, ah, Marsh, that's so check nice. out that follow your heart cheese. I can't speak towards others, but I, it's good. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's solid. And like, it's kind of available everywhere, which is nice. You can get it at like Sprouts and Whole Foods and whatever. I really like it. I think like shredded cheese is the one that has the longest to go. Like there's still not really a great, great, great shredded cheese. But I think if you can find it, I think So Delicious is really good. Um, it's kind of hard to find. It kind of disappears in and out of the shelves. Another brand to check out would be Violife. They're newer. I think a lot of people really like their like hard Parmesan. They have some shreds. I haven't tried them yet. Their slices are fine. They taste just like, in my opinion, they taste just like Follow Your Heart. But they're a little bit more expensive. So at that point, then I'd go for price point. Well, thanks so much. These are definitely yeah. some tips that the listeners will be able to use. 
So back to the more important stuff, community involvement. That's something that you're obviously way into. You were actually recognized recently by the city of Tempe for your dedication to the arts. I know that COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in the works, but are there any initiatives that you're thinking of or wanting to take part in in the future? That's a great question. I'm always kind of like looking for opportunities and ways to kind of like insert myself into projects and ideas that I care about. The Vanishing Show is an event that I put on every year that happens in March, and it did not get to happen this year because of COVID. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I'll be planning to do that as soon as possible once things are safe again. What will actually probably end up happening is that I'll do two. So I'll do like a vanishing show six and seven over the course of one weekend. So it would be like having like a weekend of vanishing shows. That's kind of what I'm thinking of like to do to make up for the fact that we couldn't do it this year. So yeah, I think that's kind of like my main bread and butter right now. I had a project with an old Phoenix resident named Troy Farrow. We did a project called Drain Tempe Town Lake, which was a fake political campaign to drain the lake in Tempe because they dump 1 million gallons of water into it every day. So it was kind of like our stance against water preservation, things like that. And that was another thing that, you know, went into consideration with me winning whatever award the peers of Tempe nominated me to get. But yeah, I'm just kind of like always looking for stuff. DJing takes up like a lot of my time when I'm normally, you know, not shut down in my house. But yeah, if anyone ever has any ideas of like things to do in Tempe, I know some people and I always want to make things happen. So dear listener, if you want to make something happen and you think I'm like a cool person to talk to, let's, uh, you know, jump on Zoom and see what you have in mind. Hey, I love that pitch there. And even talking a little bit more about Vanishing Show, again, the annual event that you put on, it's kind of a, a mobile music event where people hop from one spot to another to check out shows, typically, you know, around the Maple Ash area of Tempe. Then as far as, you know, the details of the show are announced that day, but each particular, you know, specific show location, once the show ends there, that's where they'll find the details for the one that could then commute to or walk to or bike or however they're going to get there. Yeah, it's a really fun event. Some guy named Aaron Rothenberger had the idea for the show and he kind of pitched it to me as like a I don't really know how to put this together, but like, I have this kind of cool idea. Do you want to do it? And I was like, actually, yes, I do. That sounds like something I could do and also it'd be really fun. So yeah, the, the whole thing gets coordinated, you know, several weeks in advance. There's not like a ton of preparation that goes into it because, you know, the whole event is very DIY community oriented. And so there's like a pretty large expectations that are placed upon each band that plays to like be there at the right time to find sound gear. And if they can't find sound gear to ask me to help them find sound gear. And so there's like a lot of trust that goes into the system of what the vanishing show is. But at the end of the day, it kind of ends up being this like really, really magical thing that like all parties involved just say it's like the best night, you know, that Tempe has to offer We have, you know, 400 people going in and out of every night or of every, you know, house. There's free beer. All the bands get paid. There's DJs afterwards. I buy pizza for everyone. It really ends up being, you know, just like a really, really magical thing. 
And it's crazy to see like what can happen when the community just kind of like all decides to play a part from, you know, the people showing up and donating money to the bands who, you know, can source their own equipment and, you know, are on time and for the hosts that provide the yard and the power and are willing to kind of like take the risk if the cops end up showing up. Um, So there's just, you know, a lot of like really, really great things that go into it. And I, you know, can't do it without, you know, all the, the awesome people who do it with me. I love that. That's just so awesome to hear. And I mean, even the name, I love it because you're kind of, it's like one moment you're here, one moment you're there, you know? So that's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's been like a, a really fun five, five, six years of doing it. Well, as far as creating, you know, movements or community events like The Vanishing Show, you also created Maintenance Collective. Maintenance is hosted by you and Davina, plus rotating guests who identify as women, LGBT, non-binary, and or genderqueer. When did you start this collective? We started it in September of, it'll be two years this September, I believe, that we've had maintenance. And whenever Davina and I DJ together, we uh, we use that name. And then we have our event that we also call maintenance. And that's where we have our usual rotating guests. And we're always, always, always looking for people. So if you, you know, have a set, that you want to play and you, you know, identify as women, genderqueer, you're LGBT, you know, trans, non-binary, any of those things. Basically, if you're like, not like a, a bored man who identifies as being a man, we want you to come, you know, showcase your talent and, you know, do what you do. And it's not just, you know, only DJing. We've done, you know, let's see, we've had zine library pop-ups. We've had like a cut-paste event where people have done collaging in the Rose Room. Um, It's been really, really fun. Um, Valley Bar is kind of our home turf for that, for that event. And they're always really, really sweet to us and, you know, let us do kind of whatever we want. So, We're uh, really, really grateful for the opportunity and don't take it for granted. So yeah, we just want to like be a platform for people who have something to say or want to do something and we're open to it. So, you know, if you're listening and you want to do it, please hit us up. We're always looking for people. I love that. For those that also don't know, you're originally from Omaha, Nebraska. Were you a part of any sort of community events there? Did all of the DIY ethos originate there? Or, you know, tell us a little bit more about being from there. Yeah, so I grew up in Omaha and I definitely started going to shows a lot when I was in high school. That was more of like the MySpace era of stuff. So I did end up meeting, you know, bands from MySpace and I went to a couple of like all ages venues that Omaha had to offer. Most of the shows that I went to were pretty large. Um, I followed a lot of the Saddle Creek bands, Cursive, The Faint, Tilly and the Wall, Bright Eyes, etc. Really like, grew up with that music, but was a little bit too young in terms of like being able to like be quote unquote like in that scene or whatever. So I kind of like caught it after it blew up. But um, yeah, like I had always been going to shows and I was raised Catholic and I was pretty involved in like 
quote unquote, like youth group and like things like that. I was involved in like a handful of different retreat leading organizations and things like that. So I used to do like a lot of spiritual talks and prayer groups and things like that. And I think like that's kind of where I started to get my stride for orchestrating things or speaking to people or like performing in some sort of way. It kind of gave me like that foundation and confidence to say like, okay, if I organize like this thing, you know, they'll do it. Or if I organize, you know, this thing, or if I say this thing, like a certain thing happens and I feel really good about what I'm able to offer to this group of people. And so it kind of transformed into the arts. I initially went to Columbia College Chicago for a year and I was a painting major. I really, really loved, you know, just material art. I don't paint anymore at all, but I do write. I changed my major to creative writing and actually ended up moving to Arizona a year later and got involved in the local music scene pretty quickly. I had been friends with the Peach Cake guys who were a pretty big local band here and they were kind of my like first friend group. And so they took me to shows at Trunk Space and modify it in a handful of places where I was able to kind of like get my feet on the ground and learn the local bands here. And then a couple of years later, I started doing more projects on my own with kind of that same, I guess, foundation that I had found in high school when I was you know, doing all the, the Catholic stuff. So it's kind of like a weird story, but that's, I think, how it all came together. That's awesome. And another band from Omaha is 311. Yep. <laughs> is amber your favorite color? Um, it's the color of my energy, that's for sure. I like <laughs> I don't know, there's something about 311. Like you can't you can't hate them. Like they're fine. I don't know. I think like they got kind of associated with me just because of the <laughs> Omaha thing and then I think they became a meme and like Treasure Mammal was really into it and they still like kind of go with it. Like they cover Amber and they do all that stuff. And I think like that kind of started because I brought it into the group. But yeah, it's just something that's always followed me. I've seen like if you're from Omaha too, like you've seen them too. Like I think I've seen them three times and I didn't even try. Like it just happens. But yeah, I don't know. I know the hits, but I don't know any of the deep cuts. I'm not like a, a super fan by any means. Well, we kind of mentioned, you know, Bright Eyes, Cursive, The Faint. Do you have like an all-time favorite band or, you know, yeah. an all-time favorite Saddle Creek Records band? Oh, hands down The Faint. I love The Faint. I've probably like seen them the most times out of like any national touring act. They're incredible. I think like they're just so talented and amazing at what they do and they continue to put out really, really solid records even to this day. Their second record is the one that I think is the best. I am bad at, I guess, like naming records. I think it's called Blank Wave Arcade, but it's like the white cover. It has Call Call, Worked Up So Sexual. My favorite track from them is called In Concert. It's also on that record. They're so, so, so good. I like hands down my favorite band to see live. I probably should have mentioned that when, you know, you asked what my top three favorite shows were. It's probably a fate show for sure. Well, once the world resumes to being able to 
have any sort of live music or going to movies or doing anything of that sort, what's the first thing that you'd want to do? I want to eat Del Taco. Um, <laughs> right now, that's like the thing that I feel like I miss the most. You know, I'm like, oh, like if, and we're kind of like really, really taking things pretty seriously. Like we haven't done takeout yet. We're just like really being at home. Like there's no super big reason for us to do that, especially while the cases are rising. So we've just been like hunkered down, but like every once in a while, I'm like, damn, I could like kill for Beyond Taco right now. Doesn't that sound so good? So for myself and my own personal like joy, definitely that. But honestly, I've been really into exercise sort of lately. And I joined a pure bar studio um, in September of last year. And I like really actually do miss the studio. So I think like just having that routine back would be amazing. And then, you know, being able to hit the decks again, I think those three things, like if I could have Del Taco, if I could go exercise (laughs) and if I could DJ, like, I don't think I would need anything else. I think I'd be good. (laughs) Well, I'm sure wherever you'll be, you'll probably be enjoying some fizzy water wherever you go. That's what I call it. But what do you typically call it? Do you call it sparkling water? Soda water. I mean, carbonated water, that just doesn't roll off the tongue right. Yeah, I call it seltzer, usually. Usually just seltzer. But also, I grew up calling it club soda. So (laughs) my parents raised me on LaCroix. So I've like, it, it was invented in Florida, and that's where my mom's from. So we have been drinking it since we were like kids before like Target started carrying it or whatever. But I think club soda is a little bit different because it does have sodium in it. And so like it's not a true quote unquote seltzer, but we just called all of it club soda no matter what. So your mom got you into drinking seltzer. Is that where the obsession started? Yeah, I would have tea parties with my friends and instead of tea, we would use seltzer water and everyone would think I was crazy because I thought it was so good. Um, (laughs) But yeah, my mom, like we would just always have LaCroix all the time at home. There was another brand called Mendota Springs that they used to buy too. That was like a 90s brand. It's got like a good vibe if you Google it. Well, I know you've reviewed many fizzy waters, and I don't want to put you on the spot for an all-time, so you could name a couple, but what's your all-time favorite fizzy water, or, you know, a couple favorites? I think, like, Tobo Chico is just, like, number one. It's so smooth and bubbly and sharp, and yeah, like, you just really can't. Like, it's perfect. But then, like, when you hop into the flavors, I think things get a little bit more, I don't know, muddy. But I love, um, let's see, I love Ugly Cherry. That's a really good one. It's super expensive, so I don't buy it ever. But if I happen to come across it, I definitely buy it. Ugly Cherry, let's see. I love the Fizz Co. Doctor flavor from Kroger. You can buy it at Fry's. I love that one. I love, um, let's see, the AHA brand has been kind of good. I like the peach one i like the green tea one i like the cherry Um, coffee one yeah that one's good too i wanted to like it more than i did but it was still like a seven out of ten which is pretty good anything above a six is solid 
You're also a part of a secret fizzy water society, right? Yeah, it's called Now Fizzing. How do you I join Google your it, secret club? You can't club? find it. <laughs> so it's Now Fizzing? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called Now Fizzing. It's like a private Facebook group. If you want in, I can add you. It's like it's just like you got to know someone. That's all. I don't have a Facebook, but maybe oh, yeah, I'll make right. an alias or something. And There you, know, you just go. For the it's very wholesome like... content. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I think I'm still on it. They like, you know, post all sorts of like new brands and flavors and stuff. I splurged this month and I ordered a variety pack from a brand called Ourobora. I should look to see. I'm not supposed to do this while we're filming, <laughs> but I just want to tell you the flavors because they're really interesting. They have cactus, rose, lavender, cucumber, peppermint, watermelon, and basil berry and lemongrass coconut. And tell me, sound good. you good would want to spend 30 bucks to try all of those, wouldn't you? <laughs> Probably not, but I would. <laughs> well, Claire, I'm going to have to start working on gaining my membership and drinking some more fizzy waters to gain entry into that elusive club. But to wrap things up, I just want to say thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, I had a blast. And just again, thanks, Claire. So there you have it, folks. I had a great time talking to Claire. I know her pretty well, but having talks like these helped me get to know my guests better than before. I mean... Just talking about her upbringing in Omaha, Nebraska is something I didn't know too much about. I'm definitely going to be putting on some cursive or the faint jams later this afternoon while cooking dinner. But from DJing to community involvement to veganism, I loved it all. I mean, since talking to Claire, I don't think I've ever purchased or have had as many vegan items in my fridge than I do today. Even those small steps are what matter. And in this day and age... Being healthy and smart about what you eat is crucial. And even more important, it's easily accessible, more so than ever before. So there's no excuses. If you're stuck in your house and want something new and fun to make, then go to hellyesitsvegan.com. There are so many different recipes. Go and explore. Your stomach will thank you later. The music on this episode is from a solo project I have called Malos Terminos, which you could find online on the Desert Drip Bandcamp. As always, thanks for tuning in. You could go to interviewswithchris.com for any previous material or go on any major platform where you can hear a podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then subscribe and give some positive feedback. Thanks again, everybody. Take care, and I'll see you next time.